Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. What's happening, everybody? It's Thursday. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm a tired man. I'm baseline tired. Shout out to uh, Robin Marks for this sweet shirt, by the way. I'm tired. I'm a tired man. People always ask me, you know, I'm one of those annoying guys. You guys probably could have figured this out about me at this point. I'm one of those annoying dudes uh, when people say, hey, man, how's it going? I don't just respond with, good. How are you? I respond with, ah, you know, I'm a little tired. So-and-so happened. Kids got this. Wife's got that. And we're all doing the best we can. And then people are like, why did I ask this stupid son of a you-know-what how it was going? I got way more than I bargained for. But look, here's the thing. And it's not just because uh, this is not a development over like the last six years, seven years, seven now, seven years since I had kids and was cooped up at home and only talked to children. This is my entire life. I discuss things way too much with servers at restaurants. I talk to people walking their dogs. I'm that annoying guy. So big frickin' surprise that I'm a guy who ends up having a podcast where I like to yell at people all day, every day. Not a big surprise. I have exactly 44 minutes from right this moment before I have a phone call uh, that I have to get on. It is with the uh, preschool director for my uh, younger son. So that cannot wait. Meaning we have exactly 44 minutes to get through the key stuff from Wednesday's card. And... I thought this thing through, and I think the best way to do it is just sort of the usual fare, which is go through the card, and we'll try to move fast on things where we can move fast. I don't know why I made that big yet. And we'll slow down where we need to slow down. So, cheers. Let's get this party started. I am Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sportsethos.com presentation. You can find me on social at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Please do follow over there if you've enjoyed uh, anything we've done over here. Trade deadline show, regular pods, uh, the MLB stuff, baseball stuff that Joe's got coming out. He's got some really cool shows that are are having some big traction, especially on YouTube. Uh, please do hit a like and subscribe button. Do it. Do it now. Do it now. And if you don't, well, then I don't know what you're doing here. The Charlotte Hornets traded away all the stuff, and now they can't be stopped. They're on a furious three-game winning streak. They're now 13-41. and 41, And they're chasing down the Portland Trailblazers for the fifth? No. Yeah, fifth worst record in the NBA. I don't know what it means, really. I mean, all these teams at the bottom want to make sure they stay at the bottom, so the Hornets are going to have to pull the plug on some of their useful players here shortly. But they've also done it without LaMelo Ball. And I started with that because... So, look, the Atlanta side is like... Not a whole lot of stuff. DeAndre Hunter has been uh, showing... He's he's made some nice steps in the right direction. You guys that have listened to this show a bunch of times, you know my take there is I'm, I think he eventually displaces Sadiq Bey in the starting five. I don't know this to be true, but I think it to be true. At which point, Bey becomes a drop. Bey kind of hanging on as it is anyway. Uh, but I also kind of wanted either Murray or Bogdanovich or Bay or somebody to get moved to the deadline from this Hawks team that would have allowed Hunter to have a larger role. So uh, it feels like a lot of these guys are going to end up kind of like right on the borderline. 
And then the other note on the Atlanta side is that Bruno Fernando is filling in at center because Clint Capella and Onyeka Okongwu are both out right now. So, yeah, I don't think you need to do a whole lot with with that. Obviously, if Fernando gets uh, another start on what I suppose is now the other side of the All-Star break, Atlanta doesn't play today, they don't play again until the 23rd, then you could look at it, but I'd be a little surprised if one of those dudes wasn't back. Hornets, on the other hand, I do think we want to stop and talk about. Because one of the players that everybody is asking about right now is Trey Mann, who had a monster of a ball game yesterday. 21 points, 8 boards, 6 assists, 2 steals, 4 three-pointers on, and this is the sort of big news of the day, 7 out of 13 shooting and 3 for 3 at the free throw line with only one turnover. Those of you that have listened to this show know that I said Trey Mann was an immediate points league ad right after the trade went down. That was sort of never in question. And I said, you know what? I don't know that I'm fully on board with the Trey Mann nine category freight train right now. And my reasons for that were, one, uh, a big uptick in usage usually negatively impacts percentages, which for Trey were already a problem. Uh, and, yeah, man, I guess that was it. That's sort of the one main thing. And I guess number two was that was that the, the percentages were already a problem. Right now, with Charlotte, he's shooting 46% from the field, and he's made all three of his free throws, which all happened yesterday. He's also shooting 46% from three-point land on two out of about four and some odd threes per ball game. He's also at 1.3 steals, which, you know, that could potentially hold. 2.3 turnovers is probably a sustainable number. And then the giant rebounds also feel a little bit outliery. So what I would say to you guys is this is the opportune moment. And look, I, I have no problem with folks adding him in 9-cat. But I would also suggest, if your league's trade deadline hasn't passed yet, this is a decent time to see what you could get for Trey Mann. Because in his three games with the Hornets so far, he's above his career mark by a lot in field goal percent. He's above his career mark in free throws by some amount. He only... Like, he took two, I think, in Oklahoma City this year, and he made them. He hasn't missed a free throw this season, oddly enough. He's way out over his skis in rebounding, which for a young guy, yeah, I mean, this is a thing that's happening because, well, the team is not very good, but also because his energy level is extraordinarily high right now. Also, he had a nine-assist game blended in there with a seven, so his assists are at 7.3. I look at these numbers for man, and if you're just like... It, so, yes, obviously his role is very different in Charlotte than it was in Oklahoma City right now. So we can't say that there's this, like, exact extrapolation of his permanent production in one place to his permanent production in the other. But the only things right now that are sort of on pace on the per-minute side are points, which is kind of what you thought he would get to in this sort of, like, 11 to 15 range somewhere in 30 minutes of ball game. Uh, steals is close, a little bit on the high side, um, and three-pointers, three-pointers. Two three-pointers a game is very sustainable for him. That's a number that I don't think gets too wiped out because, like, if you look at what he's done so far, he's basically right on pace for about two three-pointers in 30 minutes. The things that are over the per-minute mark, and again, 
want to make sure you guys heard the preface that his role is different, so some of this stuff is more sustainable than others, but way out over his skis and field goal percent. I know you can say, Danny shot 50% at Oklahoma City this year. Yeah, I mean, how many shots did he actually take? We got to look at a larger body of work, which, you know, first two seasons in the NBA, he shot exactly 39.3% in both of them. Do we think that there was a basically a seven percentage point jump coming this year on a larger amount of usage? I mean, anything's possible, but unlikely. Do we think the field goal percent went from 79, 77, 78, somewhere in that neck of the woods up to 100? Unlikely. Do we think the fact that he was on pace during his, forget earlier this season, Oklahoma City, because he didn't really play, but if he wanted to take that one, you could. A guy who had, throughout his young NBA career, been on pace for about four and a half to five rebounds per 30 minutes, maybe even a tiny bit less, suddenly jumped to seven? Unlikely. Assist is one of the ones where I think you can sort of squint at it and say, I mean, yeah, like, he was only on pace for about three to three and a half assists in his role in Oklahoma City. That's a number that could go up because he's the point guard now instead of not the point guard. But is it likely to double? I still think that's kind of an unsustainable number. So we're seeing some stuff from Mann, especially right after a big ball game. This is the other beauty part of it. On a sell high, on a small sample size, you definitely want to do it after a big one so that people can be like, look, guys, Here's what's happening so far. The question is, and I can put a poll out on social media, I have no idea what you could get back for him right now. It might be a lot, it might be a little. I just don't know. If you want to hold and see how it goes, that's fine. Because in this week in Charlotte, he's sort of in that 60 to 70 range in production. But again, he's like way out over his skis in a bunch of stuff. Boards, assists, probably steals, field goal percent, free throw percent, like, that's a lot of stuff that we think could come back towards Earth a little bit. So I got the question of why do I think he's a guaranteed win in points leagues and why am I not fully convinced in 9-cat? Those are the reasons. Does that mean he's going to be, like, outside the top 150 in 9-cat? No, not at all. I think he falls somewhere in between where he is right now and, like, 150 range, and maybe that's 100 which would still be a playable guy. And if you're punting field goal percent, then he gets a bump up. And if you're punting probably free throw percent, I'm guessing as this levels off, that probably is a little bump, not quite as significant. So yeah, I mean, okay, but I have to do this podcast as if people are playing all nine categories. And I can try to add all these little qualifiers to it, but how much good is that going to do you? Anyway, that's why I stand where I am on that one. Uh, Grant Williams is still kind of a maybe in my book. He's also way out over his skis for this team. Uh, the the small ball center minutes are good because that's going to help his rebounding. Also, this particular ball game, playing a team that missed a crap ton of shots helped his rebounding. I just can't take the plunge on Grant Williams. We, we know what his fantasy game is, and we know that it's limited. The Knicks are down a few bodies. Uh, that won't stop Tom Thibodeau from playing Precious Achua 43 minutes. Precious is a start. Brunson is a start. Hart is a start. I know he wasn't as good in this one. Uh, Deuce McBride, no. Burks, no. Jericho Sims, 39 minutes and still somehow a no. Hopefully Isaiah Hartenstein's back for uh, for their next ball game. Uh, and then Boyan Bogdanovich, who was out for this one, is 
incredible. What did I call him? A temp hold? He's a temp hold until someone else shows back. Like Dante DiVincenzo being out. Boyan Bogdanovich probably would have had fantasy value in this game had he been healthy enough to play in it. But again, like we're talking about for how long? It all seems very short-lived. They'll play again in Philadelphia on the other side of the All-Star break. And I don't know who's going to be back, but my guess is that I'm not going to be super interested in Boyan. Over on the Orlando side, Wendell Carter Jr. left this game early, but he's already sounds like he's okay. So, you know, whatever. Like, I was already super down on him. He's a points league only kind of guy, and none, nothing changes there. Jonathan Isaac actually got 14 and a half minutes on the second half of a back-to-back, which I guess is a good sign as they very slowly bring him along. I'll say the same thing again. Not an add in head-to-head. I've stashed him on my roto bench in a few spots where I'm not falling too far behind the games cap, and I just want to see, like, how many minutes does Jonathan Isaac get the next time the Orlando Magic don't have a back-to-back? Which, by the way, is in Cleveland, right out of the All-Star break, and then they have another back-to-back again. But, I mean, look, if Jonathan Isaac starts playing 24 minutes ball game, we're going to want to be there. Miami got a nice streamer game out of Duncan Robinson. That one we kind of knew was coming. Haywood Highsmith was and uh, Jaime Akez each also had pretty good streamer games off the bench. Uh, with everybody out for this game, this team right now, Duncan Robinson is the safe one. I said Kevin Love would be sort of a, a long shot for big man stats, and then he stunk. Oh, well. Uh, Akez could maybe get back around to value. He'd be my second choice behind Duncan Robinson if we wanted to 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 take that path. Miami only has one game from now until the following Monday. Not a good stream team for head-to-head. If you wanted to try to get one more game out of Duncan Robinson, that would be next Friday in New Orleans. That's about as far as you go there. How about Buddy Heald right now, though? Holy smokes. So the Sixers are pretty easy to handicap at the moment. They'll likely get DeAndre, uh, DeAnthony, excuse me, Melton back on the other side of the All-Star break. But he'll be brought along kind of slowly, so I don't think there's a big impact coming immediately. Tobias Harris playing will impact all these other guys, but Buddy Heald's been, uh, frankly, ridiculous since the trade to Philadelphia. He's a second-rounder in his uh, handful of games with his new team, and he's doing it on a lot of unsustainable stuff. He's shooting, what, like 53 52% uh, on the other side of this deal? or on, on this trade, um, this is this is juicy. Uh, but it's also a bit of a sell high. Again, I don't exactly know what you're going to be able to get back on him. I think people know that there's a sell high element there, but they might just be like, well, Joel Embiid is out for a really long time. Uh, but at the same time, like, here's the thing. Buddy Hield as a starter does have top 50 appeal. So I don't think that I would sell him for someone lower than, like, 60-65, and I doubt you could get that for him right now. So your best move might just be to ride it, see how it goes, and then, you know, hopefully you get a whole bunch out of him. I would, by the way, also stash DeAnthony Melton, if at all possible. The Bulls went big lineup in this one, so you're holding Io DeSumo. I know his game wasn't as good here, but we got word even before the ball game started that they were going to start Andre Drummond uh, and... Vooch side-by-side to deal with the Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Cavs front court. And, you know, it had its it had its moments. Drummond was a plus eight in a game they lost by three. So, you know, that part worked. 
But it's again, it's not going to be an everyday thing. You kind of have to look at the Chicago schedule, see where this type of thing might get deployed. They've got Boston, not a gigantic team on the other side. Pelicans are kind of big, so maybe. Detroit, no. Cleveland again, so then you might get it. What the hell day is that? That's like uh, February 28th. When's the next time they play a super big team after that? It's a while. Uh, It might be just be the right. Oh, they got Minnesota on March 31st. So, you know, the drumming to start thing is iffy. How many times do you want to try to squeeze a game out? Probably not worth holding all the way through. But, you know, if we can spot play it, that's pretty good. Uh, For Cleveland, I think we can officially... Like, I think we had already done that, but Karis LeVert, droppable, Max Struess, in that same general light. Every time I call him a drop, he ends up having a good ball game the next time around. Struess is going to sit right on that borderline the, be- the rest of the way. So there really isn't a right or wrong call on him. If you play him every day, it'll be fine. It won't be exciting. If you drop him, you probably won't feel like you're missing all that much. Let's keep going here because, again, I'm on a timer today. I got 28 minutes. Indiana lost Aaron Neesmith uh, to a, there's a, he, uh, they, they originally thought knee, then it was shin. I think it was on a missed dunk attempt. Uh, Miles Turner was out and Jalen Smith was out. So there was an Isaiah Jackson mega sighting in this ball game. And that was cool. Now, if that happens again, obviously we know what to do. It also meant that there was more once Neesmith went down for Doug McDermott, for uh, Andrew Nemhart, for Obi Toppin. I'm not taking the plunge on any of those three guys. I am, however, holding on to Neesmith because he's been very good. And I'm hoping we see him on the other side of the break. Sadness takes over Dan's brain here as Kelly Olynyk leaves after seven minutes in this uh, Indy Toronto game. I mean, look, we didn't know for sure if he was going to have fantasy value anyway. So... Like, I can't in good conscience tell you guys that you have to hang on through injury to Olenek. The advantage, of course, is that you've got the all-star break. So if he's back on the other side of it, they actually have a back-to-back the first two days after the break. So head-to-head, that would make a lot of sense. Roto, maybe we get some more information on him. But again, back injuries are weird. I don't know how long he's going to be out. I do still want to see what his job is going to be with this team. We don't know. And he put up giant numbers in limited minutes in his first two games before this injury. Meantime, Jakob Pertl gets sort of unfettered run at the center position. That's good for him. Gary Trent was uh, playable. I, you know, I thought he was a drop after the last one. I might readjust Trent to kind of a, we still need a little bit more information to make the final call there. Bruce Brown, I feel much more comfortable saying is a safe drop. R.J. Barrett is a sell guy anytime he has a bigger line. Uh, quickly, he'll be fine. But, yeah, I mean, what a sad thing. We lost our Kelly Olynyk. Not that, again, I, I didn't think there was a guarantee that he was going to be a monster. I just kind of wanted to see what was going to happen here. And so that plan gets derailed. Boston got blown out by 50. Or, excuse me, Boston blew out Brooklyn by 50. Just throw everything out on the Brooklyn side. Dennis Schroeder got the start, but he only played 18 minutes. So uh, I know everybody wants to make a move after a game like this, but just don't. So hold them. Cam Johnson came back on a minutes cap. He played 18 minutes. He's a hold. Yeah, just a bad ball game. And then Christoph Porzingis left this game early, but it was also out of hand, and it sounds like he'll probably be fine for Boston uh, when they come back. 
and that will be in Chicago on the 22nd. Houston lost to the Zombie Grizzlies. It's kind of the Zombie Rockets a little bit. I, most of their guys, I guess. Uh, Amon Thompson is a great fill-in for Freddie Van Vliet. Dylan Brooks, I know it hurts, and he shot horribly in this game, but he's also a solid fill-in for Freddie Van Vliet. You got two guys that jumped over the cut line with Freddie going down. And that's the story in Houston right now. For Memphis, the story is extremely confusing. Uh, they're in this sort of like everybody gets 24 mode other than Vince Williams, who played 34 minutes. Even JJJ, what, well, he had foul trouble, but normally he's in the 30s. Even he only had 28 minutes in this ballgame. My hope, of course, was that Santi Aldama could get a consistent 30. He played 22. 22 is not going to be enough for him. If you'd like to hold a little bit longer, I'm okay with that. But uh, he is trending down in my mind because, honestly, I thought the job was just going to sort of be safely his here. And it seems like the Grizzlies are more interested in just sort of giving everybody a little bit of run. To that end, it makes almost anybody else on this team hard to roster outside of the guys that are going to get 30 minutes every night, which right now seems like it's just Jaron Jackson Jr. and Vince Williams Jr., Gigi Jackson had a big ball game, but he's more of a points league guy because of various holes in his nine-cat game. Lamar Stevens had a solid 20 minutes, but you can't go that route. John Conchar, same story, but only 20 minutes. Zaire Williams, 22 minutes. Derek freaking Rose, 16. Jordan Goodwin, who they just picked up off the scrap heap, 24 minutes. Keep an eye on Goodwin. Keep an eye on Aldama. Keep an eye on Kennard, who played 29 and a half minutes, and he was a play yesterday but might get the back-to-back -back off. His minutes had also been fluctuating a lot, and it doesn't seem like his body can pretty consistently handle 30 minutes. And it's possible that while we were hoping the Grizzlies would be sort of a silly season gold mine, they might just be silly season chaos. We don't have to pick up a guy on a team just because they're in silly season mode. We don't have to do it. And that may end up being what happens here with the Grizz. So just watch it all. They've got another game tonight, and it'll be a rotations of whoever again. Denny Avdia, 43-15. and 15. I mean, we knew the fact, once we saw Daniel Gafford gone and Avdia start to log some center minutes, we knew things were, were better. But boy, I don't think any of us thought it was going to be this level of better. It's a sell moment, obviously, when after a guy puts up a giant line like this. But overall, I, I just, like, Trying to feel what the what the world feels about him. Not the world, the fantasy world. I don't think people believe this is sustainable, and it isn't, which means it would be hard to sell high. Like, I don't... Denny's been putting up these gargantuan counting stats, but he's been awful at the free throw line, and he's done almost nothing defensively during this stretch also. It seems insane... But over the last two weeks, he's not inside the top 100. He's close. Over the last one week, thanks to largely this ballgame, he's number 26 while shooting, you know, high volume 62% from the field. This is like a Jonathan Kaminga explosion. We know it's not going to last, but you can't get a top 30 guy back for him. Could you get like, I don't know, top 75? Maybe. I think I would aim for that. If I was going to sell Avdia, a, a nice, like, super consistent top 75 kind of guy. Not like a flash in the pan, but, you know, maybe you could get Drew Holiday. I think people are probably frustrated with him. You might be able to get him back. 
Maybe you could get, I don't know, do you want Mike Conley? He's a low turnovers dude. So if you want the big explosion guys, then maybe you stand pat. If you're just going on strictly ranks, you probably end up with a small win there. But, you know, for Avdia, it's going to be high turnovers. There's probably going to be some free throw percent issues. But again, if you can cash in on a game like this, you generally do it. No Kuzma also, worth noting in this one. So uh, even Jordan Poole bothered to get involved. Ah, Jordan Poole's a mess. Tyus Jones, what does he have, 30 assists in his last two ball games? That's pretty neat. Corey Kispert is is uh, pretty consistently a stream when one of the high-usage guys is out right now, so that worked. And Marvin Bagley double-doubled in 30 minutes, so he's a hold. So Bagley's a hold, Kispert is a spot play, Jones is a play, Poole is a ugh, and then Avdia is a play, obviously, but can you get something for him? Uh, Trey Murphy had a nice ball game. He's been starting to come on. Herb Jones slowed down a little bit. I think you can play Herb with Dyson Daniels out. I'm not fully sold on Trey Murphy being a rest-of-season dude. But again, Dyson Daniels throwing those 20-some-odd minutes back into the bucket, a lot of that has now gone to Jose Alvarado, Herb Jones, and Trey Murphy. Like, each of them can get four, five, six minutes apiece that ends up being enough for a guy like Trey, who was sitting just outside of everyday play, or Herb Jones, who's technically inside in everyday play, but maybe needed a little bit more consistency. It's weird to think of a, of a fringy rotation guy going down and bumping two rotation guys up, but that's kind of what we've seen happen here uh, for New Orleans. So short-term, yeah, you can probably play both of those guys. Herb is the more trustworthy one because of the consistent defensive stats. They've also got a really good schedule coming out of the break. They play three games, including a back-to-back next Thursday, Friday. Uh, And that's where I sit on those dudes. Spurs got blown out. Wembenyama did some fun stuff. I got nothing on the Spurs. For Dallas, uh, Derek Lively came back. Maxi Kleba sat it out. Daniel Gafford still got the start. He had 10-10 and 10 with a block. Uh, Gafford's the guy you likely want there. I would say hold both of them for the moment just to make sure. That's Gafford and Lively we're talking about. And then Kyrie and Luka are the other guys you're dealing with on Dallas, so we can kind of zip past that ballgame. Sacramento beat kind of a, a half-hearted Nuggets effort. Um... Uh, Good defense. Good defense. Kevin Herter trending down. I had a better ball game here, uh, sort of across the board stuff, but he needs 30 minutes. We've said that. I give him one more game. If he doesn't get 30 minutes in the next one, I probably move on. Malik Monk, flip side of that, he played 30 minutes, but he was really bad from the field. And this was kind of what I was worried about using him on the roto side. Head to head, it's like, okay, whatever. He had a bad ball game. His previous few, few were pretty good. I, I'm collecting stats but i i can't trust monk because defensive stats are not that high threes are not as high as they seem the field goal percent we always knew was going to come off this this recent heater and the turnovers are pretty high he profiles better as kind of a punt head-to-head guy than he does a roto guy funny thing is from a fantasy standpoint i actually kind of preferred it when herder was getting 30 minutes and monk wasn't because in 30 minutes we knew kevin herder could be a nine cat dude in 30 minutes, I don't know that Monk can be a 9-cat guy. We know he can be a points league dude. And so then yesterday, you could almost argue neither one of these guys was a super safe play. 
For Denver, no Jamal Murray and no KCP in this ballgame. Uh, you know, we'll see if they play on the other side of the All-Star break. If they do, then we don't have to worry about any of this. And so you're not making a move until you know if they're back after the All-Star break. If they're not back, Reggie Jackson, probably a fill-in level guy. And that's it. Phoenix and Detroit was a weird, weird ball game because before the ball game even started, Isaiah Stewart punched Drew Eubanks in the hallways. The police got involved. So everybody was kind of on red alert for this game. And Devin Booker, I don't know, he's John or something. Kevin Durant said he was actually getting, Booker was yelling at him, but Devin got tossed. Uh... It is what it is. Everything will be fine by the next ball game. It's especially crummy. It's the worst thing for a games cap when a guy starts, plays like four minutes, and then gets tossed or hurt because then you use the games cap on basically a nothing ball game. But it is what it is. You just have to wince and move on. For Phoenix, since we're talking about Booker already, we'll come back to Detroit. Uh, Royce O'Neal, Eric Gordon uh, both had an opportunity to do a bunch of stuff. But again, here's the problem. We don't know who's playing on the other side of the All-Star break. So, for now, you hold the studs. You hold Nurk. I think we always kind of knew was going to fall off a bit. He's number 89 now. Still playable, but it's been a slowing. Uh, And Grayson Allen is also a hold. But Phoenix is another team that doesn't play again until next Thursday. They have a back-to-back out of the break. You know, is Beal going to be gone? I mean, we know Booker's going to be back. This was an ejection, not an injury. Is Beal going to be back? We don't know. If he is, the whole exploring Royce O'Neal, Eric Gordon thing is feels like a lot of wasted effort. So just keep him in the back of your mind. We'll deal with this in a week, basically. Kicking the can down the road. LeBron sat out the back-to-back in altitude, which seems fair for a dude who's almost my age. I can barely... I can barely get through a week where my wife is on an early rotation. And they're saying, LeBron, here, play this game, then fly to altitude and play again. He's like, eh, nah, nah, guys, I, I can't. But the other Lakers stepped up. Anthony Davis was in uh, as a behemoth. D'Lo had 16 assists. Austin Reeves had a big game. And Rui Hachimura went absolutely buck-freaking-wild, just picking on the Utah front court, mainly uh, sort of this combination of, you know, it's kind of surprising. Like, in my mind, I was like, man, Rui Achimori must be just destroying some uh, extraordinarily bad defensive player. But he's mostly picking on, like, Markinen and Collins. And then if they got switches, then life got pretty easy for him. But Rui, huge ball game. He's a stream if LeBron has to miss another one because he's the guy that tends to get the sort of big, big you should spike. Along with Reeves and D'Lo and AD, obviously, but those guys are plays anyway. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, 27 and a half minutes. He's playing uh, sort of, like, good teammate mode right now which is fine um it's good for his efficiency but it's not gonna be enough fantasy stuff it does feel like he's gonna get pretty consistently high minutes at least until someone like a Gabe Vincent or a Jared Vanderbilt shows up I don't think Cam Reddish is going to put a huge dent into him he might Reddish a little better defensively but Dinwiddie's so much better on offense that I don't really know how you make that switch if you're the Lakers be idiotic but we've seen dumber things in our lifetimes so this is the you know remember for when lebron is out thing and you keep an eye on dinwiddie just in case he's not a good nine cat dude but maybe there's a path to points league that's about as far as i'd go there Keontae george got the start now he and chris dunn have flip-flopped 
Keontae played 33 minutes and was efficient in them. That's going to be the big thing for him going forward. Can he maintain efficiency in this starting job? So the good news here is significant. I mean, like, it's it's very good news that George is starting. The job being his means it's, you know, opportunity to try to grow, and he should probably be added in most leagues right now to kind of see how this thing develops. But also... Don't get out in front of yourself. Don't, don't like, put all your eggs in the, oh, Keontae George is going to be a nine-cat difference maker down the stretch. He's going to be a points league start because, again, we talk about these guys with young player-itis, and Keontae George is young player-itis. He was their first rounder out of, what, Baylor? Yeah, Baylor this last season. But he's shooting 38.5% from the field. And just because he shot 56% last night and actually has been above 50% in, like, five or six of his last seven or eight games, I believe. That doesn't mean it's going to stick. All that means is that he was lower than 39% before that, and he's managed to get himself back up into, you know, Freddie Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry territory. He doesn't get steals. He doesn't get blocks. He gets assists. He gets threes. Is it going to be enough? My personal guess is that even if you give Keontae George 30 minutes, he's still not going to get inside the top 109 cat. So I don't think you need to go break the bank on him. If you're in a punt field goal format, that puts him a whole hell of a lot closer. Although, again, unless he starts racking up defensive stats, I still don't think that he's inside the top 109 cat. Points leagues, yes. Between George and Trey Mann, you go Trey Mann uh, because it seems like his job is just slightly more secure. Although I guess you'd make the LaMelo Ball argument if he ever happens to show back up again. Uh, Jordan Clarkson, he's in one of his very quiet runs, so he can't do much with him there. John Collins and Walker Kessler and Lowry Markinen were just slowed. And honestly, Anthony Davis is just destroying people right now, so don't read too much into what the Utah front court got in this ballgame. And finally, and I still got 11 minutes on my watch now before I got to get the heck off the show, the Clippers came back, beat the Warriors, a crazy fourth quarter run. Clippers, I think, went on a 17-2. Did I get that right? 15-2 fourth quarter run uh, to turn a medium-sized deficit into a small advantage. Uh, no big surprises on the Clippers' side. Zubots played more in this ballgame because the matchup was just better. He should probably be rostered. Norman Powell had five three-pointers. Not necessarily what you say filling in for Kawhi Leonard, but from a scoring standpoint, he filled in for Kawhi. I'm not starting Powell. He's like he's a fourth quarter monster, but without an onslaught, I think he hit three of his threes in the fourth quarter in this game. Like if he doesn't do that, this is a pretty crappy fantasy line. So I think I'd probably rather just say, yeah, let Kawhi get himself right. No obvious pickup on that side. For the Warriors, Klay Thompson, a very tough hold right now. He's back in a funk, and he's been kind of losing playing time. Not to say losing, but if he's not super hot, he won't play quite as many minutes. Uh, but hold him for now. Hold Andrew Wiggins. Hold Brandon Pajemski. He was awesome in this ballgame, so you didn't really need me to tell you that. Jonathan Kaminga's come back to earth, as we all kind of assumed he would. Hopefully you sold high and tried to get like a top 50, top 60 guy for him because the holes in his fantasy game are slightly, slowly here reappearing. Still a lot of fun for points leagues. The nine cat number is going to taper off after that crazy run. 
But, uh, you know, at least the Warriors have, like, a pretty reliable rotation these days, and that makes our lives a bit simpler. Um, let me do the thing where I make sure I didn't miss anybody. I was trying to go really fast here, and uh, sometimes somebody brings up a name in the chat room that I didn't talk about. Oh, uh, questions on Trey Jones. Should I drop him for Trey Mann? What should I do with Trey Jones? I'm still holding Jones. Uh, I know he's been not as impressive the last handful of games, but the nice thing about Trey Jones is that his game translates a little bit better to Nine Cats and some of these other dudes. He's right around 150 lately. Uh, hopefully the steals and the assists tick back up a little bit. Hopefully the field goal percent ticks back up a little bit. He always kind of profiled more as like a 100 range guy. So Trey Jones versus Trey Mann. That's so format dependent in my eyes. If you're head to head and you're punting field goal, it's Trey Mann. If you're head to head and you're punting threes, it's probably Trey Jones. If you're Roto 9 cat, it's probably Jones. Eh. I honestly think they both probably deserve to be on rosters. In most formats. Because like with Trey Mann, if he gets hot for a couple of games, you could sell him. There's always a reason to have a guy like that. Trey Jones, you know, similar thing, like the higher floor. I don't know. I don't think there's a, a, a you know, one size fits all, like, my hats that I buy because I'm a dad. I got dad hats. I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all answer to that type of question. Especially not at this time of year. This time of year is particularly uh, difficult because you're like, you're stat hunting in a lot of ways. Oh, Danny was talking about points leaks. Oh, yeah, points leaks. So it's Trey Mann in points leaks, which I did say. I think I popped that in there in the middle of the answer. And I think that's probably it for today, which is a shame because I'm seeing more more people are joining us live here right at the tail end of the show. Um, friends, I am on a, a strict clock today. I got a big phone call coming up. That's eh, not that big, but it's a it's an important one uh, with my uh, child's preschool director. Um, everything's fine. Just got to go over a few things. But uh, that means that we got to make sure we get off in time. Uh so, on the way out, I want to ask you guys again, if you've been enjoying this stuff we've been doing, please hit a like or subscribe button on something. We want to keep growing everything we're working on over here. Come find me over on social, at Dan Bespers, and go get yourself some sort of facial hair trimmer from my buddies over at manscaped.com. Uh, promo code there is ethos20, ethos20 over at manscaped.com. Quick question on the way out. Dan, what should I do with Austin Reeves right now? Uh, I think he's probably a hold. I don't think people are going to see the giant game without LeBron and and think that it's anything more than a giant game without LeBron. Uh, Reeves is going to be probably in that 80 to 110 range reliably because he's a high percentages dude who doesn't typically get that many defensive stats. He'll get you some points. He'll get you some assists. He'll get you some percentages. And he's just going to sort of coast along as a playable 12-teamer. If someone will give you a top 80 guy for Austin Reeves, you probably do it. But again, like, I don't know how much that really nets you. And the guys that you'd be aiming for there probably don't really move the needle. Like, you're not going to, I don't think you're going to be able to get Pascal Siakam. And I don't know that you want Herb Jones. It's a very different stat set. 
you probably, Austin Reeves is probably really helping your team in percentages, and that's probably one of the reasons that you have him rostered. Now, if you badly need steals or something like that, then yeah, there are other guys around there that are ranked similarly that are much better at that category. Like, I don't know, I just said Herb Jones, he would be one of them. Uh, DeAnthony Melton, as he gets ramped. Like, there are guys out there if you need to switch what you're targeting. But right now, basically anybody ranked between 75 and 110, you're pretty much just stat hunting. Like, you can cluster guys now. There's a movement that I'm not fully on board with to say that, like, rankings as a whole are nonsense. But understanding... And this comes back to something I've talked about a lot, and then I really got to get off the show... This is why I talk about ranking guys in buckets. There are buckets of players. And at the top of the board, like every two to three players is probably a bucket. But as you get into like the 40s, the bucket might be 10 players deep. And as you get into the 70s, the bucket might be 20 players deep. Where they're all basically the same general idea for your team. You just, based on what stats they're providing. But look, the 80th ranked guy is not the same as the 40th ranked guy. It's just that the 40th ranked guy, dudes on four or five spots on either side of him, pretty close. To say, oh, this is the 40th is better than the 44th, eh. But to say the 40th is better than the 65th, yeah. Yes. We just It's understanding where the sort of value curve flattens out for that. How close are these players to one another? And the farther you'd get down the board, the closer the players are bunched. So the sort of, uh, it's not a confidence interval. It's just sort of like a window on either side of, is this guy worth more or less than the other guy? The answer is, they're the same. Is just a slightly wider pocket. Hopefully that made sense. One quick question on Fontecchio on the way. We talked about him yesterday. I think he has a chance to be a points league value based on what I'm seeing. I don't think he's going to be a nine cat guy. And that'll wrap it up for today. Thanks for watching, everybody. Tomorrow's show will probably come a little bit later in the day. Uh, we'll do kind of a weekly wrap, get you guys prepped for All-Star Weekend. Should be a bunch of fun. We will not have shows over the weekend. I'm saving some of my show ideas for early next week because, remember, we've got like three or four shows at the beginning of next week with no games to talk about. I know. It sucks. But also, we all get a little bit of a deep breath. Thanks for watching, everybody, all season long to this point. Very great. Uh, I'm extremely gracious um you guys are amazing please click it please keep clicking like share subscribe whatever you can do if you have a minute to drop a five-star review that would also be sweet find me on social i'll definitely talk to you guys plenty over there at dan vespers sportsethos.com and we'll see you over in the discord as well so long for now everybody Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.